Hello and welcome to the All Things Horror Podcast with me, Amazon best-selling horror author and horror fanatic, Rick Wood, where me and my guests discuss all things horror. Coming up on today's show... Return of the Dead is the first movie to coin the phrase brains. All, all the vampires were, were skinny ball guys. Are you yeah. telling me you can't find <laughs> skinny ball guy? <laughs> uh, he's got blue skin, yellow eyes. He's the traditional Nosferatu type vampire. Hello and welcome to Rickwood's All Things Horror Podcast with me, Rickwood. And a very warm welcome to all of you to episode 3 of my brand new podcast. Today it is Friday the 2nd, 2nd of November. I just need to check my diary there. Um, Which means it's exactly one week since After the Devil Has Won, my post-apocalyptic horror novel has been released. Thank you so much for your response so well. I worked so hard on that book and it's, it's great when you get such... Wonderful feedback on it. So today, in today's podcast, I'm interviewing Stephen Jenkins, a author of, firstly, a zombie novel, Burn the Dead, and then going on from that, he wrote some ghost novels and vampire dystopian novels, and I travelled all the way down to the bottom of South Wales, um, meeting lots of traffic on the way uh, in order to interview him, but I'm glad I did because it was a lovely interview, and it's great to meet Stephen, he's a great guy. So, without further ado, here it is, part one of my interview with Stephen Jenkins. So, hello, here I am in South Wales with Stephen Jenkins. Hello, Stephen. Hello, how's it going, Rick? It's good, I'm, I'm well, how are you? Not too bad at all. Um, so, we're here to talk about horror and, and your books. Okay. Um, most notable one is Burn the Dead. Uh, yes, that's uh, one of my... my more popular ones. Cool. Can you tell us a bit about it? Tell us a bit about uh, what the book's about, um, how it kind of came about? Uh, it came about, uh, it started life as a short story. Um, I'd, I sort of, I'd written a book, my first novel called 14 Days, and I was sort of banging my head against the wall. Couldn't get it published. Uh, I'd lost and lost of rejections. Uh, and I, uh, I was sort of going to give up on writing, but I thought maybe I should start writing short stories. Because I had no, I had no body of work other than this novel I'd written, so I, I came up with this story called Burn the Dead. Um, unlike my other stories, Burn the, the title Burn the Dead came before the story. Uh, I just popped in my head one day, Burn the Dead, a nice ring to it, and it sort of, it sort of wrote itself really. You know, a guy who burns zombies for a living. Um, I won't say any more than that because I won't spoil the, the twist. Don't give it. What happens. It's the first of a series, isn't it? Yes. So, um, did you plan the series straight from the beginning? Or um, was the series something that came about afterwards? No, like I wrote the short story. Um, I sent it off to some, some mag- uh, a few competitions uh, and a magazine and it got published in um, um, Horror Digest in America. And that sort of spurred me on then to realise maybe I should stick with this writing. Mm-hmm. Um, then it got came up runner up in a competition, um, and a lot of, a lot of feedback from friends, family, that they sort of one of their favourite ones. So I developed into a full book. I sent it off to be published, and I had six publishers interested in it. Wow. Um, one of which was um, a publisher called uh, Black Bedsheet Books. Um, and being an unpublished writer at the time, I bit their hand off. Um, and then at the roughly the same time. I had my first book that was that was not getting anywhere. Uh, Fourteen days. Somebody wanted to publish that, 
So there's a lot about Bernadette that sort of paved the way for her right now. But um, yeah, as a series, it was meant to be a standalone book. Um, and I did have an idea to develop the story, um, but I wanted to see how well Bernadette One did. It wasn't so much like it was desperate for a sequel, but I had a good idea for a sequel. And then I had an idea for a third one, um, and I left it at that then. Was it, was it a book that then took off straight away, or were there a, bit, a few frustrating moments? Uh, when I was writing, or when it was... When, when, it, was, when it was published? Um, to be honest, it was one of my easiest books I've written because it it it, fe- it, it felt like a film that I'd always wanted to see. Mm. Like um, as much as I love I love writing, love reading. I'm probably a movie fan uh, predominantly because of my you know growing up in the eighties with horrors and things like that. And I, a lot of my stories come as as a film ideas. They sort of convert into books and they develop them. Um, but it was, yeah, it, it felt like in my head, I imagined it like a, a mini-series or a, or a film, and it felt exactly the type of thing that I would have watched, you know. I know exactly what you mean. When I, when I wrote The Sensitives, I did it thinking, there isn't a book out there that like, I want to read, so I'm going to write it. Yeah, and I just, I love zombies, you know. There's something about a zombie that... I, I, I'm, I'm, when it comes to writing and, and reading or movies, I like horror that that is not completely supernatural, more on the realms of possibility. I'm not saying zombies were ever going to happen, but I like when you throw science into the mix where you can't really argue with a virus or or things like that. Yes, you're never going to have a dead body walking around. I watched a YouTube video a little while ago (laughs) that talked about, I think, seven ways the zombie play could happen about people being kind of regenerated. So it could well happen. Uh, yeah, possibly. I think more 28 days later, sort of, yeah. zombie, the virus. But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of... There was a lot about Burn the Dead that I loved. Um, I, I, th- I think it could be in the type of series I could have gone on and on and on. But I, I'm, I've got so many different ideas. I've had a lot of, re- a lot of my readers asking about Burn the Dead 4. Yeah. And it's not that I... I wouldn't want to write that. I even got a few ideas for further mm. ones. It's just I've got so many other ideas that I'll never get around to them if yeah. unless I put things on hold. I'm probably all the same with the others. How do you decide which idea to do then when you've got so many ideas? Well, that's, that is a problem. I um, When I first started, it was just like my favourite one. Mm. But then it would take so long to get a book out that my favourite one might have been outshone then by a, a new idea. Yeah which I thought was better, but maybe I've just got bored of my old idea. Um, so I, I tend to put him in order now, um, just to sort of splinter the type of books I write. So I wouldn't want to write a, uh, a zombie series and then move on to another zombie series. I'd probably want to do a ghost one after that, then maybe a vampire, then move back to zombies. Yeah. Um, because I've probably got fans of zombies. Uh, my readers, some, some of them like zombies, some of them like ghosts. So to just keep on putting those zombie ones they're going to take too do, long do you find the kind of because pro- when I, I wrote a ghost series and I wrote a zombie series and I found I was quite surprised where quite a few fans of the ghost series weren't as interested in the zombies as I thought they would be have you found there is kind of like a, a big crossover in the audiences or yes very much uh, as, a, as a fan of pretty much all horror I assumed that people just liked all horror until I yeah. started writing and people like I go, you know they feel like ghosts I, when I wrote a ghost book even though a lot of people liked the ghost book 
my zombie fans almost felt as if I'd just written a romantic comedy. You know, <laughs> they're, they're worlds apart, even yeah. though they're in the same sort of world. I, know, I, I you kind of assume as someone who loves all horror and can't get enough yeah. of horror that everyone else who loves horror kind of kind of loves as much. Yeah. And I, I thought when I first started writing, I thought because I had so many different ideas, I thought oh, I'll just be like Stephen King. I'll put a, a different genre, a different type of genre, everyone. And I realised, no. I'm not Stephen King. I need to put series out because fans like a series. Fans yeah. like characters. Um, but I, I don't think I could continue as a writer if I couldn't write lots of different horror genres. Mm. I would get bored, and I think my writing would suffer. I need like when I wrote the three Burn the Dead books. As much as I love it, I as much as I love them, I I thought I need a little bit of a break from zombies. Mm. Um, and I haven't written a zombie book for a, for a year or two, and I can't wait for my next series. I need that little break, you know. How long has it been then since Burn the Dead was released? Um, well, Burn the Dead, Burn the Dead 1 came out, I wrote it in 2012, probably got released 2013, but this Burn the Dead 3 was released in 2015. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a while. It's stuck pretty well for being out in 2013. Uh, yeah, it has. Um, I remember... When I wrote Burn the Dead Three, I felt it was the first time I'd. It's the first time I'd. I think it was on my. That was my. In my fifth book by then, I'd written a few shorter books. It was the first time I felt like I was a fraud. I I felt I had. I didn't have writer's block as in imposter I'd, syndrome. I was sorry. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. And I I didn't have writer's block as ideas. The the book was mapped out everything, the twist, everything. But I was just thinking, oh my god. I've been faking it and I'm not a writer and I should quit. Uh, all these things popping in my head. And I just, I had a chat with my editor, funny enough, and I said, I don't want to do, should I leave? Should I leave the book for a, for a month and come back to it? And maybe I'll feel better. And then she said, no, just get it done and then worry about it later. And I did that. And you know what? Burn the Dead 3 is probably my, f- my favourite book I've written. Even though it might not be the most significant compared to the first one, uh, it's the most movie-like book I've written. Mm. You, if I were to if I were to adapt it into a, a screenplay, I don't think I'd have to change a lot. Mm. I'd have to dramatically change a lot of things with Burn the Dead One and Two because some of the things won't work as a on TV. But uh, with Burn the Dead Three, it could be literally almost frame for frame transferred onto the smaller big screen, and that's I think that's what I like about it. It does make the book a little bit shorter because it's yeah. a lot faster paced. But we live in a digital age now; it doesn't I, really matter. Anymore. I find that my, my books are generally forty to fifty thousand words, and I couldn't make it any longer just because I see it as yeah. a horror movie in my mind, and it's just images. Yeah, it's kind of similar. Well, I think I think when I when I was first trying to get my books published, a lot of a lot of publishers had a minimum of seventy thousand words. Yeah. So you te- you tend to sort of add more fluffing it out yeah. fluffing it up a little bit and now that doesn't matter so much because more people read e-books yeah. I figured well it doesn't really matter as long as the book is good yeah. you know it doesn't really matter who cares absolutely right um, your horror profile okay let's start with your horror profile so I'm going to start with your favourite horror movie right I have I, I a think of this and i, I got to say Exorcist is the best horror movie ever okay. made um, if an alien came down to earth and asked to see the best horror film, I'd have to say Exorcist. But my personal favourite uh, is Return of the Living Dead. 
1985 uh, movie. Um, it's a very special movie. I don't know whether it might be a little bit lost on a on a on a younger person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe you had to be around in the 80s to truly appreciate it. But it was the first ever zombie movie to have running zombies. Yes. Um, people think it's 28 days later, and and it's not. It's that. Yeah. And what makes it even better is these zombies are from the ground. Old school Michael Jackson thriller coming out of the dirt, um, and they still can sprint. I don't know how that. I know. I know. I mean, you, you watch Night of the Living Dead, which is yeah. George Romero's black and white yeah. classic. Very good, but they're not that scary because you, you know, could easily outrun them if they can run. Yeah, but that's just brilliant about Return and. Return of the Dead is the first movie to coin the phrase brains. Now, oh, now that, that, that doesn't exist in any film other than that film. And people use that term in The Simpsons, in lots of things. And it only exists in that film. Um, and it's brilliant. It's got some of the best... Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the 80s. The 80s was the birth of fantastic uh, makeup effects and prosthetics. And grainy pictures yeah. and, and kind of a trashy... Yeah. Trash storylines, yeah. There was so much crap about the 80s. <laughs> but, but it's good crap, yeah. isn't it? Best horror movies are yeah. the ones that get two stars and are rubbish. It's a funny old world. You, you have some of the worst pieces of crap on screen, and in the same decade, Predator was out with <laughs> some of the best yeah. sort of effects and everything. It's just, it was a strange, strange decade. Uh, but yeah, that's my favourite. So the, what, why would you say The Exorcist is the best then? It's not your favourite. What, what makes that the best? Uh, what makes it the best? Is the foreboding? Um, putting aside the, 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 the iconic nature of the film, um, the plot and everything, it's the slow burner of it. That's probably why it's not my favourite because it is slow. Yeah. I just sort of appreciate it. It doesn't mean I want to watch it multiple times. I think that's where I gauge my favourite: how many times I'm willing to watch it. Um, but what I love about The Exorcist, you can't like in a horror film. If there's a strange noise in the woods and you scream at the screen, or why would you go investigate the strange noise? Why would you do that? Or why would you go down the cellar? Whereas if it's your daughter in a room, and she's screaming and making horrible monstrous noises, you've got to go. You've got to go and tend to her. There's no running away. There's no uh, call for help. You've got to face it every time. So it's so... I mean, I've got two daughters, and there's nothing... There's nothing you wouldn't do to help them. And I, I've loved that film before your children. But it's the thought of, yeah, you you have to you have to deal with them, you know, and you can't run away, can't do anything, can't kill them, can't kill the monster. Yeah. It's your daughter, it's fantastic. I was I obviously I've, I grew up with the Exorcist, absolutely loving it. My girlfriend never seen it, and I made her watch it for the first time, <laughs> and she was sat an hour through going, "This is so boring." We're watching this. I was having to say, "Wait, yeah, just wait, it's coming." That's that's exactly why. I think what's great where I love Briswell is that. It's slow because you need to see the contrast between how sweet uh, Regan is uh, and how how horrible, right? And also the contrast between how powerful a movie star the mother is in the movie and how beautiful she is, and you see her decline uh, as as the stress hits her, you know. Uh, but that needs to be done slow, hmm. and that's why it's not something you can watch every every Sunday with your friends. Absolutely, it's once every few years maybe. <laughs> Next one, favorite horror book. Uh, uh, lots of favourite horror books lots of Stephen King books I like um, but I think for me and again I'm, I'm not a big fan of gigantic books I don't write gigantic books and I don't like reading them I just think 
an eight hundred page uh, page book is just it's just too much. I, I think. Can I, I, can I guess? I think I might know what it is. Uh, is it the stand? Uh, <laughs> no. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> good guess. Um, it's uh, I Am Legend by Richard oh, of Matheson. Course, of course. Uh, I love that book. It's one hundred eighty pages and it's brilliant. It's not long, but it is. A lot, there's no dialogue in it because he's on his own. So it's not as short as it as the pages might suggest because dialogue will sort of fluff out the book a little bit. But I love it. I, I love the fact that I don't normally say this because I I do love movies. But in this case, the book is better than the film, the, uh, and I like the film. The film changed because it was vampires in the book, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, sort of. And in the film, it seemed like some kind of weird hybrid. That yeah, and it, they shouldn't have used CGI vampires. No. I mean, all the, all the vampires were were skinny bald guys. Are you yeah. telling me you can't find <laughs> skinny bald guy? <laughs> Do you know, uh, yeah. and you know, you think about The Descent. It was a fantastic horror film. We're probably one of the best British horror films. They had skinny, bald, yeah. creepy, golem like all actors. Um, I don't see why they couldn't have used those. It'd be much better. I'm not saying you know maybe when they were all the vampires are running fast, it could have had CGI. But when it's face to face, I'm not a fan of CGI. We don't need it. That's another example, kind of like The Exorcist that. The characters you, you want to hang out with that character. I mean, the character in I Am Legend. Yeah. Even though he's not really speaking to anyone, there's no one for him to interact with. You kind of want to. Yeah. Hang out with him and see what Do you he mean does. Will Smith or no, not Will Smith. Oh, I'd love to hang out with yeah, Will Smith. Yeah, don't yeah, get me wrong, too. but I mean, in the in the in the book. Yes, I love it. I, I do you know what I love about that book? Wait, is that when I was reading it, I, I read it after the film because I liked the film, but it was just something missing. I felt maybe the book would sort yeah. of. I did not know it was written in 1953. Um, I just thought it was written maybe in the 80s or 90s until they started making strange references. Yeah. And I was like, God, is this, is this old? And I looked at the back, and I think it's 1953, it could be wrong, 1954 maybe, but um, to, to, to have written something like that back then, uh, mm. it's so ahead of his time, you know. Um, genius writer, Richard Matheson. Absolutely, yes. you won't tell it was 1953 if you didn't, if no. you didn't know, yeah. Um, your favourite horror moment? Um, there's loads to think of. Um, there's a lot of great ones from The Shining with the lady in the, um, in, in the room, I forgot the room number now. But anyway, um, that's a great scene. I've got to say, it's got to be Salem's Lot, the miniseries. Okay. Uh, have you seen it? I haven't, no. It's probably one of the greatest uh, miniseries ever. It, it was made in 1980 maybe, could be wrong, could be 79. Mm. But it's um, it plays out like a film and it's it's got the greatest vampire ever, which... Um, my new book, Blue Skin, is a little bit of a homage to that vampire. Mm. I say homage, not rip off. <laughs> and um, it's it's got the creepiest vampire ever in it. If you look it up, Kurt Barlow from Kurt, he's got blue skin, yellow eyes. He's the traditional Nosferatu type vampire. Silent, no, uh, no, you can't reason with it. He's like an animal. You can't. He's just a creature. He's not handsome. He's not. Uh, you can't. You know. He's not manipulative. He's just a beast. Uh, but there's a scene in it where the children have gone missing in the neighbourhood and there's a crack, there's a tap on the window and the little dead kid is floating by the window with the smoke. They even spoofed it in The Simpsons, the vampire episode. Um, very common. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. I'll have to. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a Stephen King fan. So I haven't seen a lot of kind of stuff stuff based on his. This is probably one of the best. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, favourite horror creator you're going to say Stephen King aren't you <laughs> so, uh, favourite horror creator do you know what 
It is probably Stephen King. I, you know, I'm, I like Stephen King a lot. There's a lot of his films. That what is it about Stephen King then? I feel like I miss it. Every time I read one of his books, I just switch off and I just feel like I'm missing something. What, what is it? These books are a bit long sometimes, a little bit too, too much over description. My wife loves lots of description. Mm-hmm. She loves an author to describe the colour of a microwave and how it shines. Yeah. I, I'm like, oh, get on with it. But I think this comes from loving movies a lot more, isn't it? You, you don't want a long yeah. description, some of you don't need a long description. Yeah, well, my wife's the first one to read one of my books and she's the most critical person yeah. of all. So I probably don't describe enough. She likes a lot, so I try to meet her in the middle, and I think I probably... But um, but with Stephen King, a lot of his movies, uh, they're hit and miss. And I, and I used to blame him for a, for a bad Stephen King movie. Mm-hmm. I used to blame him, oh, yeah. this is rubbish. And I hadn't read the book, potentially. Um, but he said, he said he hasn't got a lot of control over, his, over the films. Like he said, when you write a book and a studio wants to make, make a movie out of it, it's like sending your children off to, to college and praying that they don't get knocked up. You, know? <laughs> you don't have a lot of control. You've done yeah. your, your part, and that's it. And I thought, all oh, right. So I, I give him a little bit. So I started reading yeah. all of his books. Not all his books are good. I think sometimes when you're as famous as Stephen King, you're surrounded with a lot of yes people. Mm. Um, for example, Cell. I read Cell. It's a zombie Stephen King book. I don't know. I don't want to say what happens in the end, but there's something the zombies do that's so ridiculous. If I had written that, I would be trashed, you know. Um, but but yes, overall, he's he's a genius, you know. When it comes to horror, he's he's one of the most famous horror icons there ever has been, I suppose, isn't it? Um, next one, why horror? So why why do you love horror? Why do you choose to write horror? Really difficult question, isn't it? You want me to say that I've had a terrible upbringing? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, the the truth is. Nothing ever, well, nothing ever as bad has happened to me. I have a very normal family, no, no, no stories. Um, I just, there's something cool about blood and go. I, in the, I grew, I'm a child of the 80s. So when it comes to films, the 80s was sponsored by blood and guts, wasn't mm. it, pretty much. Um, they weren't probably as scary as they are now horrors because I think films in general tend to be more realistic. So they're a bit creepier now. But in the, back in the 80s, I think it was more gore than, than scary, you know, like Hellraiser, Freddy Krueger. Um, my parents never let me watch horrors. Um, my uncle was the sort of the one who would let you sort of watch Freddy Krueger. Mm. And I'm not saying that was, I was good for kids because I got two daughters and I don't let them watch horrors because my daughter is a bit of a wimp. She, she went to cry watching Gremlins. <laughs> um, yes, January or Christmas time, and yeah. even before the Gremlins turned up, she was crying. So not everyone responds well, but I just loved it. Uh, I loved Evil Dead too. It was my first favorite horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a close second after Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> but um, it's something about gore and zombies, and, and the eighties was a sort of birthplace for all that. I think. Do you think it's possible to recreate? what there was in the 80s now. I mean, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez tried to do it, didn't they? With Plant Terror and Death Proof, and it yeah. completely flopped. I mean, do you think it's possible to recreate nowadays, or are we never going to get the 80s back? I don't know. There's a lot of nostalgia at the moment in movies, the Ready Player One, things like that. Um, but I... I don't know. I think... I, uh, I, I was... For example, this is nothing to do with horror, but I was watching Commando the other day, mm-hmm. an Al Schwarzenegger film, and I loved that film growing up. And I still do. Yeah. It was on TV the other day, 
But I was watching it and reviewing it in my head, even though I loved it. And it's a pile of crap, but I love it. Yes. You know? And that's the 80s. There's a pile of crap a lot of the yeah. stuff is. Not all the stuff, some things are fantastic. But um, like my, I got a friend who hasn't seen Back to the Future, and he's 39, which doesn't make Jeez. any sense to me. And I said, well, we need to watch it. But I thought, is it going to get lost on him now? Yeah. Is, unless you were a child watching it. And a lot of these horrors, I put Evil Dead 2 on for my wife. She'd never seen it. She, she said, what is this pile of shit? Yeah. What is this pile of rubbish? And, and I said, what do you mean? This is brilliant. But I could see it through her eyes. And yeah, maybe it's a bit trashy. Yeah. The effects aren't good. I think some things you need to be... Yeah. You need to be there. What the did time. you think of the Evil Dead remake? I'm a big fan of it. I loved it. It was good. I thought I thought it was not perfect. Um, it it struggled for you to know who the who the lead was. Mm-hmm. It didn't know who the hero was, which is kind of the appeal. But um, I think it's quite underrated. Very mm-hmm. underrated, actually. Um, it's very gory. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of the most gory films I've ever seen. I mean, anyone... What rings blood, doesn't it? You can't get more gory than that. Well, there's a bit in there where the girl cuts her face off and the man and her boyfriend slips on her face. I mean, that that's pretty much up there with yeah. some of the best goriest moments ever, but I like that, yeah. Coming up in part two, out in two weeks' time. I, um, things go missing, spoons go missing, lights flickering, um, hearing the door open and then nobody's coming on, hearing footsteps. I saw a woman sitting on the kitchen chair uh, dressed in like a, 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 cream, a cream top with, um, with a brown tie and a brown skirt and a brown hat. But I kind of like the idea that society had moved on. They're, not, they're still scared of them, but they're no more than um, the wild animals that, you know, if they're kept away, it's not going to be a problem. <laughs>